So, uh, given that it's the end of the year for us uh, in this form, um, I thought I would talk a little bit about the holidays um, that are what's part of the holiday season is what it's called here, meaning here in America. Um, and it's an interesting term, of course, I think you all know the word, the word holiday really comes from the words holy days. And I think that's, it's, it's a nicer, it's a nicer way to um, uh, really reflect on what we're relating to at this time of year is what it means to that the the day is holy or the time is holy or place is holy and um, it's you know um, in the past this was a certain time of year um, that people celebrated whether it's has to do with Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or just the solstice which people have celebrated um, uh, when the um, light is changing in the world right it's getting darker and that's the end of the year it's the darkest time it's considered and then the new light is coming and it's um, it's a dying and rebirth of the light and that um, uh, that metaphor of death and resurrection is a really important spiritual metaphor in every tradition that something lets go and something wakes up is how it's put in Buddhism <clears throat> and so the holy is a really it's just a great word holy it the same word from the uh, oxford dictionary holy is um, holy h-o-l-i like holy days but also it means whole w-h-o-l-e it means complete or full and it's pointing at the potential for us as human beings to in Buddhism we would say wake up or discover our whole nature or we could say discover our holy nature or the the numinous part of or the sacredness of who and what we are that's inherent in the life that's sitting here in in each seat and so holy means to be spiritually whole or sound unimpaired, unimpaired innocence, excuse me, and virtue, pure in heart, right? And of course, it could be translated as the devout, divine, transcendent. That there's something here that we're honoring when we celebrate the holy days of Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, or, or in whatever tradition they're, um, they're acknowledged. <clears throat> and it's something that is acknowledged in the Native American tradition. Um, if you've ever read the book about black elk, 
says peace comes with the souls of men and women when they realize their relationship, their oneness with the universe, which is another way to talk about the holy or the divine or the sacred. And, and he goes on, Black Elk goes on, he says peace comes in the souls of people when they realize their relationship, their oneness with the universe and all its powers, and when they realize that at the center of the universe dwells the great spirit, and that this center is really everywhere. That the center of, the, that they realize that at the center of the universe dwells the great spirit, and that this center is really everywhere. It's a beautiful understanding of what it is to wake up, or what spirit is, or what does it mean for us to discover our Buddha nature, right? It's not just in the statue, right? It's everywhere. And, we, and, and practices to discover the sacredness, or the divinity, or the beauty, or the holiness, or the, the word that's used more familiarly in Buddhism is the nobility of what's sitting here, right? Like I said, I'm going to be teaching the four ennobling truths, which is the Buddha's key teaching. <clears throat> and, you know, again, it's the, the holiness, what's beautiful, I believe, I feel about the holiness is that it's actually everywhere. It depends where we're looking from, if we can see the holiness. And uh, I don't think I have this name quite right. Silius? Silicius? Does anybody know who that is? Argillus? Cilicius, it's a Christian, he's a Christian person, and, you know, probably a few centuries ago, but he said, if in your heart you make a manger for his birth, if within your heart you make a manger for his birth, then God will once again become a child upon the earth. In other words, so, so the, the holiness can live right here, whether it's Christian or Buddhist or, or Native American. The holiness is understood to be sitting here already. And part of our work, part of our practice is to discover what's here. Not just, and you know, to be aware of the ordinary and the everyday and the mundane and the simple and the you know, sound and smell and taste, touch, sight, hearing, and then to see what happens as we keep resting in that space of awareness where anything may be revealed, including our Buddha nature. It's not, um, it's not just a mechanical practice. It's a practice that re reveals the numinous. This is from Izumi Shikibu, who is a Japanese woman practitioner. She said, watching the moon, watching the moon at dawn, watching the moon at dawn, solitary, mid-sky, I knew myself 
completely. No part left out. Right? So she has, and of course in Japanese Zen, the moon and, and, uh, um, is, has, is a metaphor for awakening the full moon. And so she has an awakening experience watching the moon at dawn, solitary, mid-sky. I know myself completely, no part left out. Meaning the holy starts to reveal itself. It's not something you have to make or create. I don't think holy works that way. We don't make the holy. We recognize the holy, we recognize the sacred, we recognize the numinous that's here. <clears throat> and even the word holy, which is associated with sacred, is regarded as worthy of veneration or being revered or living uh, according to certain ethical or religious principles, like one becomes a holy person, not by, you know, not by putting on a t-shirt that says, I'm holy, right? But by living a life that then people recognize the goodness of what's here. So another way it's talked about, uh, or another way that holy is related to, is that we, we make, we talk about what's holy, and we have holy days, holidays, and holy places and saints, and certain days are considered sacred in some traditions. Like in the Jewish tradition, they talk about the Sabbath, as being a holy day. Like one day a week is acknowledged as being holy. And this is from Abraham Heschel, who says the seventh day, which is Sabbath, the seventh day is a palace in time which we build. It's a palace in time which we build. It is made of soul, joy, and reticence. In its atmosphere, a, a disciple is a discipline, is a reminder of the uh, connection to eternity. Indeed, the splendor of the day is expressed in terms of abstentations, just as the mystery of God is more adequately conveyed via negativa in the categories of negative theology which claim that we can never say what God is, we can only say what God is not. So that's a very interesting way. It's not, it's not saying, oh, God is this, God is that. It's saying, oh, God isn't deluded. God isn't misunderstanding. God isn't unkind, things like that. And it's very um, close to Buddhism in the sense that the original teachings of what it meant to wake up, they never talk about it in some kind of glorified way. They always talked about it really in slightly negative terms or via negativa. They talked about, awakening is called the unconditioned. 
the unconditioned or the absence of greed, hate, and delusion. That's what awakening is. It's the absence of something. It's not, oh, it's this and you should act like that. It's the absence of the mind that is deluded by greed, hatred, delusion. And he says an interesting thing, Herschel. He says the meaning of the Sabbath is to celebrate time rather than space. To celebrate time rather than space. That's, that's just very, it still catches my attention. What does that mean? What does it mean to celebrate time? And what might that mean in terms of Buddhism? And he goes on to say, in the Sabbath we try to become attuned to holiness in time. We are called upon to share in what is eternal in time. To turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation. To turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation. From the world of creation to the creation of the world. And it's pointing at something that, of course, is already here, right? And I would say in Buddhism, it's pointing to the sacredness of each moment, right? Like this moment. This is the whole world right now. This is all of reality right now. And it's just here for a moment. And, and, and learning to appreciate that, to live in the moment, to be here, is so... Uh, is such a beautiful practice and so powerful. And I said this, I believe I said this a couple weeks ago. After I came back from Bhutan, one of the things I loved about being in Bhutan was there was no before or after. There was no before or after. At the end of the day, my wife and I, we would talk about what happened during the day, and we couldn't remember anything because there was no before or after. And it was something we caught in Bhutan because the Bhutanese, and it's a Buddhist country, Bhutan, the Bhutanese are, it seemed, so simply in the moment that there was no before or after. They weren't thinking about what was coming, excuse me, and they didn't, they weren't thinking about what happened. They were absorbed in the moment's experience. And part of what we're doing when we meditate, and especially when we start to deepen in our meditative practice, is to become absorbed in simply being here now. Like that's the whole show in some way. And we all are so used to, and I'm, of course, including myself, we're all so used to being enchanted by drama and trauma, difficulty and greatness and this, and that's gonna happen, this happened and this, and the past and the future and everywhere else, except we're not enchanted about being right here. Because this is the only living moment there is, is just right now. And it's magical right now, it's mysterious right now, and we don't see it or we forget it because we're so involved in our minds or our thoughts or our ideas or our beliefs or what happened or what's gonna happen or what, I, what 
I said or what you're thinking, and and we that we don't learn how to land here now in all its simplicity. And so our practice hopefully is supporting that movement so that we can become, as he says, we be, try and become attuned to holiness in time, in this moment, to the magic and mystery and really beauty of the fact that we're alive at all. An amazing mystery. The poet, my great teacher, uh, Rio Khan, he said, the bamboo grove in front of my hut, the bamboo grove in front of my hut, every day I see it a thousand times, yet never tire of it. Right? It's not old, it's new at every moment, because every moment actually is not new. <clears throat> In the Western tradition, William Blake said, he said, to see the world in a grain of sand, to see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of one's hand and eternity in an hour. That's, that's, that's like great teaching, great Buddhist teaching as far as I'm concerned. To see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of one's hand and eternity in an hour. You know, and I say this and I feel like we all know this. We've all had experience of this, whether when we're out hiking or somewhere in nature or or when something happens, like I just met a baby. The, the Sangha has a new baby uh, that you may not know. Lola was born about six weeks ago and I went and visited her parents, Erica and Walid, and, um, and I saw her and I got to hold her. And You know, like where did she come from? I mean, really, I mean, I know technically where she came from, but, but still, this is a person, you know? This is just, you know, really, I could look around and I could see, oh yeah, this is what all of you look like, right? These beautiful little babies that came from nowhere, right? And, and then are born, like, what is, how does that even happen? And I mean, I know biologically how it happens, I'm not, totally naive, but, <laughs> but, uh, but really I'm talking about the spirit, consciousness in a human body that's alive. And this beautiful baby who was very sweet, at least when I held it, <laughs> you, know, you know, was very, very, just totally sweet, beautiful girl. And, and, and who is she? Who knows? Right, because she doesn't even know she's Lola yet. You know, they're they're plastering that on her, but you know that's what parents do. You know, but really, you know, she's just here. You know, and she's just right moving around like she's still trying to figure out. Shouldn't I be back in mom? That was really cozy back in mom. You know. Suzuki Roshi, when he 
in my uh, interpretation, talking about holiness, he said, the world, the world is its own magic. The world is its own magic, and it's right here. It's even the magic of thoughts, feelings, ideas, beliefs. Where do they come from, really? Anybody know? I mean, I, and I know the scientists know everything, but I don't believe them. Uh, I'm very uh, skeptical of where, where does a thought really come from, right? Where is a feeling? Who made that up? Anyways, you know, God, Buddha, the divine, emptiness, where does it all come from? And it's totally wild, because it just keeps happening on its own, right? You can, and you can hear, I, I, sometimes people don't believe me when I say, oh, thoughts are all happening on their own. And all you have to do is try to stop thinking. And you'll see you're not, totally, you're not in control of thought at all. Can anybody stop thinking? Yeah, you can? For how long? Yeah, but you're focusing on your breath. <clears throat> but like your thoughts, they like all over the place. Pardon? That if you're focused on your breath, that's like one thought that you can control. Yeah, it's one thought. Okay, okay, that's good. One thought's good. No, but focusing on your breath is actually great because it starts to unify body and mind. And that starts to let the mind relax, actually. And so, no, really a good thing. But... And, and thoughts can stop, and I've had that experience of them stopping, and it's quite uh, beautiful when that happens, but it wasn't really under my control. I had some input in that, you know, in terms of meditation and practice and all. And yeah, it's fantastic when thoughts do stop, but boy, when I stop practicing, they start up again like crazy. They just they just like to do their thing. <clears throat> so the, in Zen, they say that life is a mystery to be lived, not a problem to be solved. Life is a mystery to be lived. And I believe the holy days point at that mystery, at the holiness of life itself. And that it does, as you all know, it doesn't last forever, human life. Meaning it, the individual life, it lasts for a while and then, and then where does it go, right? I know the body dies, but what happens to consciousness? Who knows? Let's see what happens. Let's learn how to stay very present moment by moment for the whole show, because the show may be bigger than you know, the afternoon matinee. It may, it, it may go a little longer than the, you know, than the one feature. So those are a few thoughts that I'm having. Uh, I, I'll give you one more here. This is a quote from Tony Packer, who I very much appreciate. She says, the emergence and blossoming of understanding, love, and intelligence has nothing to do with any tradition. 
the emergence and blossoming of understanding, love, and intelligence has nothing to do with any tradition, no matter how ancient or impressive. It has nothing to do with time. It happens completely on its own. When a human being questions, wonders, listens, and looks without getting stuck in fear, pleasure, or pain. When self-concern is quiet in abeyance, heaven and earth are open. When self-concern is quiet in abeyance, heaven and earth are open. The mystery, the essence of all life, is not separate from the silent openness of simply listening. So those are a few thoughts about holy days and the uh, end of the year. I'll add one more thing about the end of the year. It's an interesting time to reflect about what was holy about this year. What was sacred about this year for you personally? What meaning, and you could substitute words besides holy and sacred, like what was meaningful or important or what touched you this year? And what, what might um, support the holiness or the sacredness or the um, contact with the mystery of life as you enter the new year, given we're going to have a new year very soon. So we'd like to take some time for your thoughts or your reflections or any questions or comments or liking or not liking or agreeing or disagreeing, all good, all good. Definitely don't have to like or agree with anything I say. Most people who know me well don't, so that's not a problem. Please, and come up to the mic, thank you, and turn the mic around so you're facing me and the mic faces you. Yeah, great. And please say your name. I'm Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Would you expand on something that you said in your lecture, please? Sure. Um, what I understood you to say was that the place from which I am coming is much more important than what I'm, where I'm looking. Right, I'm, so I'm pointing, I'm trying to point at, even now, what's speaking? Not, not who's speaking, but what is speaking? What is seeing? What is hearing? And I'm not asking those as questions, like to explain what does it mean to hear, but what's the component of experience that is seeing, hearing, speaking, feeling, because that's very important to what we want to be a little more in touch with. Does that make sense, what I'm pointing at? It makes sense, but it certainly isn't what I had taken from what you said before. Okay. What did you take before, just so it'll help me? 
that it was a place from which I was coming that was crucial. Right. And so that, what am I what am I bringing to my practice? What am I bringing to a moment or the choice? Well, that's always good what you're saying. I, I, maybe I misunderstood what you were pointing at. Uh, I'm, you know, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what I said or what the context was, but um, because what you're saying, of course, makes sense, which is, yeah, your intention, what you're bringing to what you're saying or doing can make things sacred, right? It's not the thing, it's the heartfulness. So it's a framework within, within which I'm trying to practice. Uh, you could say that. I would say it's the devotedness or the care or the love or the the heartfulness, that's the word that comes to me in which you're practicing. And I'm going to add my little point of pointing at the consciousness that is speaking because that's where the magic is, is that we forget we're like fish swimming in water. We Fish don't know there's any water, right? It's just we don't even see, tend to pay attention to the consciousness that's speaking. Right? Because we speak all the time. We see or we hear or we smell or taste and touch. But we don't pay so much attention to the living awareness or consciousness that is aware. So I want to keep supporting that part too. Okay, well I like the heartfulness. Okay, great. But no, stay with that. It's really, it's key. What's key also, it's, well, I'll say one more thing. It's really key to divinity as far as I can tell. You can't, there's no real divinity without love. I mean, and even the Buddha, the Buddha loved, he loved waking up. That's what motivated him. And he was, he was devoted to it and cared about it. It was important to him. Sooner. Even sooner, yeah. even sooner, I suppose. Um, I'm having this experience <coughs> in, in my family. Unfortunately, my, 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 my mother has dementia, so I'm seeing sort of this process reverse oh, yeah. itself. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that I can stay with my fascination about it, uh -huh. um, right. there's something about the development of the mind, and then it's yeah. Regression, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Which attracts me to all of this, this, this concept of mindfulness uh -huh. and the relationship between that and Buddhism. And I'm not 
I'm more interested in sort of the secular application of <laughs> these things. And so I think about Lola, I think about my mom, and I think about uh, something I like about all of this, which is the, the intersection of of the science and what we do with it. So, you know, we, we, we're, 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 we're born, we develop our anxieties, our depressions, our confusions. Right. But through things like this in our minds, I think we can also uh, develop our our compassions and our forgivings and our loves. And yeah, absolutely. Not so much of a question, just something that struck me about yeah. what you had said. Yeah. So is there a question in no, there? No, no. Okay, so, but that's... No, it's great though, because you're pointing at something uh, very moving, which is birth and death. And that is pointed to over and over again in Buddhism, birth and death. And that they're part of life. And that the uh, potential to wake up is uh, available anywhere in human life. Even with, I don't know how your mom is, and I don't know a lot about Alzheimer's, but, but I also sometimes hear a lot of purity coming from the people who have Alzheimer's, coming like pure-heartedness or innocence or almost childlikeness at times, and the beauty of it because it's pure. And that, that's also a word that's used in Buddhism that I resisted for many years. I'm like, you know, I was kind of a hipster kind of guy, and so I wasn't into purity at all. And I've learned to, to really, <laughs> it's true. It, it, and it's really, it's really something I so appreciate now. Oh, like, the, like really, Lola, I mean, it's just exactly who she is in this totally pure way. And it's so, it has such a strong transmission. And I appreciate that, you know, because I forget my own purity at times. Thank you. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Please. Hi, I'm Mark. So I don't have so much of a question, just a couple of comments. Sure. I mean, I've, I've studied astrophysics, and when they talk about the formation of the universe, the Big Bang, uh -huh. the center of the universe, if you ask now where is the center, it's everywhere. Uh -huh. And that's, that comes right out of general relativity and astrophysics. I'm glad they finally got that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, if you hear, if you go into a, a general like cosmology class, the first thing they'll say is like, there is no center. Uh -huh. Here, uh -huh. there's no place you can point to in the universe that that, that is where it began. It's uh -huh. everywhere. Uh -huh. It all expanded from the same point. That's great. I, I didn't know that. That's great. I love hearing that. So it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting thought. Um, and the other thing that I kind of resonated with. Well, wait here. Help me here. I'm totally bad with science and sure. stuff. But universe? Are there, is there more than one universe? Potentially, but but pretty much by definition, we can't know it. Okay. okay. The universe is everything we can experience and everything we can sense or perceive. Okay. If there are other universes, they're pretty much by definition out, out of our reach. Okay. 
Okay. Well, what, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have some kind of naivete. I'm trying to think. I'm not, I don't have the right there, word. There may be other universes, but there's no direct way to, way, way to observe Okay, 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 great. Thank you. Keep, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, the other comment is, I, I've said a little bit of shamanism, uh -huh. and I'm also Jewish, um, but I'm, I'm really intrigued by the idea of holiness. Uh -huh. Everything, like I think in shamanic traditions, that, a rock is holy, a stream yeah, is holy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to the top of Mount Shasta and I hiked around there and the streams and stuff. And if you stop and look at it, <clears throat> each one of them is holy in their own way. Uh huh. Um, so that poem that you mentioned, or a couple of them, about saying infinity in an hour. And, right, yeah. And talking about like holy in time. Yeah. It, it kind of makes sense to me. Uh huh. Great. Because um, I mean, not saying I understand that her experience. Well, well, well. But um, but it makes sense to you is different than logically being able to explain it. Yeah. Making sense still means you understand it. It doesn't mean you can logically explain it. So okay. I mean, it makes sense to me that if you can stop what you're doing at any moment and, and see. You know, the holiness in a rock, or see yeah. the holiness in a stream, it takes you out of time, it takes you out of right. your thoughts about everything. Right. And but if you could do that and see it in other people, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. But also, and this may be a little bit closer to what I was trying to point out with you, like what he's saying about seeing the holiness in the rock or seeing the holiness in another person. What's seeing the holiness? Because what's seeing the holiness is also holy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do I get the astrophysics check mark on that one or not? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding you. I don't know if that comes out of astrophysics. But, <laughs> but I can appreciate what you're saying. Great. Because if you can see, you can't really perceive the holiness in the rock what you're doing the proceeding is holy as well. That's right, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the beautiful things that sometimes, I, I don't know how to point out about mindfulness. We start to become mindful and we're aware and we're aware of the sight, sound, taste, touch and it can become very refined moment by moment like that's all that's happening and then we don't see, oh, that's what's here is the awareness itself. Right, and so that becomes really interesting, right? Because I'm equating it right now a little with a certain kind of holiness or sacredness. That there's something numinous in the awareness itself. What's that word? Numinous, it means sacred, same. I love, for some reason I like the word, it's not used very much. Numinous. Mm -hmm. So or I've got, or if you can see, or if you can connect with the tree, yeah, without necessarily understanding what it is, yeah, or 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 really understanding what it is, this living presence that comes from nowhere, meaning the earth. I know it comes from the earth and all that stuff, but really, where does any life come from? Yeah, that's a little what catches my attention about the holiness of reality. 
So I have, because you're, you're a shaman and you're talking about holy and you're Jewish, so I didn't read this, but I thought I'd read a little. Do you know this poem, The Footnote to Howl? This is from Allen Ginsberg. He said, holy, 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 holy. The world is holy. The soul is holy. The skin is holy. The nose is holy, the tongue and cock and hand and asshole, holy. Everything is holy. Everybody's holy. Everywhere is holy. Every day is, is in eternity. Every human's an angel. The bum is holy as a seraphim. The madman is holy as you, my soul, are holy. And then he goes on and on and on. It's a beautiful poem, and it's, it, what's beautiful in my perception was it's at the end of the poem Howl, which is a poem that's all about dukkha in the 1950s in America, and it's about suffering that he sees and that goes on, and he describes it quite vivid, vividly and poetically and movingly, uh, and it's dedicated to his friend Carl Solomon, who was locked away in a mental hospital. And, uh, and, and, but then he ends the poem by seeing the holy everywhere, no matter what. So I'm just throwing that in now because you, you um, invoke that in me. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say one thing though. Sure. Which is, it's great to have those moments. Yeah. It's hard to hold on to those moments when the worries and the doubts and everything else comes in. Yeah, you, you can't hold on to them. It's one of the beauties of Buddhism. You don't have to hold on to anything, <laughs> really. And, and the not holding on reveals more of what's holy. <coughs> more of what's what? What's holy, or at least we're using that word. Not holding on brings freedom. Okay. Thank you. Here, I'll read a little more of this. I'm just, you know, again, again this was written, I think, 19... Uh, I think Howell was written in 1955-56 and published by City Lights here in, in uh, San Francisco and got, um, I believe it got um, shut down for a while. It was, it was um, prosecuted for obscenity and, uh, and of course they totally lost that case in the courts, the, whoever was prosecuting. And, uh, but. Um, but he's, he's talking about, you know, holy the groaning saxophone, holy the bop apocalypse, holy the jazz bands, marijuana hipsters, peace and junk and dreams, holy the solitudes of skyscrapers and pavements, holy the cafeterias filled with the millions, Holy the mysterious flow of tears under the streets. Holy the long, lone juggernaut. Holy the vast lamb of the middle class. Holy the crazy shepherds of rebellion. Who digs Los Angeles is Los Angeles. 
Holy New York, Holy San Francisco, Holy Peoria in Seattle, Holy Paris, Holy Tangiers, Holy Moscow, Holy Istanbul, Holy Time in Eternity, Holy Eternity in Time, Holy the Clocks in Space, Holy the Fourth Dimension, Holy the Fifth International, Holy the Angel and Malik, Holy the sea, holy the desert, holy the railroad, holy the locomotive, holy the visions, holy the hallucinations, holy the miracles, holy the eyeball, holy the abyss, holy forgiveness, mercy, charity, faith, holy, ours, bodies, suffering, magnanimity, Holy the supernatural, extra brilliant, intelligent kindness of the soul. I think that's a good way to start, to end tonight. Because it's beautiful what he's saying, especially at the end. Holy forgiveness, mercy, charity, faith. You know, holy the kindness, extraordinary kindness of the human soul that for all our misunderstanding, for all the difficulties we have living here together as human beings, there's still love and kindness and compassion and care. And we have no uh, limitation to how far that can go. And so let's sit for a minute. Taking a moment to reflect on our appreciation of our time together, having time to practice, to reflect, and to contemplate our life and the sacredness of human life here on this earth. May the goodness or blessings of our time here together be for the benefit of all beings. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering, free from confusion, misunderstanding, and delusion. May all beings wake up May we all discover our true nature, our holy nature, the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free this year and next year. May we all wake up together.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.